live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, oh by golly, Miss Molly, if you haven't looked outside yet this morning, we have one of the most beautiful sunrises in the world. It's absolutely gorgeous here in Sunny Slope, and the sun's not quite on the slopes, and I think it's mostly due to the cloud cover. But boy, when you look out to the east, what a beautiful sunrise. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the Whitfield Industry Garden Show. We're blessed here with the lovely Shira. Yes, she's back. She's here. She's live. And she's lonely, so give her a call. The number to call 602-277-5827. That's 277-KTAR. You know, we've heard enough of Troy Barrett with the news, but now it's time for the show. And the show is all about what you want to talk about. There's a lot of things to grow here. We're, we're very fortunate to be in a subtropical climate. Uh, that just makes this, you know, easy for us to grow wonderful citrus. The big advantage we have there is... We're also a very dry, desert, subtropical climate. It gets very hot and kills a lot of the pests that bother other people. And sometimes the heat will bother us a little too. But it's been a glorious spring. We've had rain in the deserts and enough rain to sustain, you know, a beautiful spring bloom. So if you haven't noticed yet, you know, driving back from the farm over uh, down the other side of Gila Bend, there's already a lot of color starting in the desert. And it's only going to pick up. And, you know, the thing about our, our spring bloom is you really have to get out and enjoy it. Because it does happen pretty fast sometimes. Once it gets warmer, a lot of things kind of pass on to a different phase, different cycle in life. And, you know, it's amazing. We get enough rain. We have all different kinds of things bloom that we don't necessarily see every year. So if you're fortunate enough to be in part of the desert that got some extra heavy rains this winter, you might find things blooming that uh, you've never seen before. And so a lot of fun things to do, you know, and great places to go in the state, the Kofa Mountains, you know, down by Yuma this time of year, actually just down south of Arlington, you know, through to Gila Bend and those hills. Uh, even if you're here local, want to climb up South Mountain, it's uh, going to be spectacular. There's Picacho Peak and uh, a plethora of other fun places, you know, if the uh, the monuments down there by Lukeville, if you want to go see all the different cactus. You know, Oregon Pipe National Monument is going to have some beautiful things. If you're down around Tucson, you have the Saguaro National Monument and uh, a lot of pretty cactus, a lot of wonderful flowering plants here that uh, are special and unique here to our Sonoran Desert. Anyway, whatever you want to grow, whether it's if you want to grow some shade and plant some desert trees like mesquites and ironwoods and palo verdes, we could talk about those. Great time to plant fruit trees, peaches, apples, plums, and pears. It's uh, Citrus does fantastic here, so we can talk about that. If it was a little hot for you last summer at 110 every day for a month, maybe you need a shade tree like an ash, a pistachio, or an elm. Whatever your dreams are, whether you want to have some beautiful flowers for the spring or grow a garden, uh, Give us a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. And if you have different ideas and things you're doing at home that can help us, we're all here to learn. So if you've got a, a style, a plant, or something that you've, you're growing that's different and unique, or just a way to take care of things, give us a call once more. We have Shira here. We start off with pretty open phones. The number to call once more, 602 277 5827-277-KTAR. Digger up in Winslow. Good morning. Yo, dog. Good morning. Is it warming up a little up there this morning? It is. It is. Yep. Off in the distance, the sun finally rose up over I-40. 
<laughs> I, for about 60 seconds, I live in the shade of a freeway, <laughs> like like the old Jackson Brown song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, how's it going today? Well, we're enjoying the morning. It couldn't be any prettier here, and uh, looks as if spring is on its way. Is everything starting to bud out? So that means we've got to, you know, do the work maybe we've been putting off for the last month. Oh yeah, I bet it's stinking gorgeous. Every all the mountains are are green. They're I'm green sure. and they're getting, getting ready, ready to, to pop into bloom. Yep. Well, they're green, but they just now they just need that next phase when the little green turns to purple and reds and oranges. Ooh. Oh my gosh! Rub it in. And the chuckawallas are going to have a big year this year. The brittle bush is already blooming. They got a lot to eat. <laughs> oh, right on, right on. Well, I camped outside your door, so I'd be first off, so we could chat a little bit. Um, but kick me off when you need to. Yes, the uh, what I did, I guess because of my nickname. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually got that nickname at Archaeology Field School. Cool. Up in Cort- Cortez, Colorado. Well, that's, that's a, a fun place and a beautiful part of the world, too. Oh, my gosh. I Man, at one time, well, I, I still a little piece of my heart is... There in the Animus Valley, Animus River Valley. Well, it's amazing how you can go from there all the way up around the hill to Telluride, and the altitude changes, and the it's just amazing. The whole land, you know, just like well, a lot of Arizona too, but uh, even higher oh, up sure, in that range. Sure. Yep, yep. Well, hey, uh, you come up with some uh, some beautiful sycamores for us. I haven't I haven't seen those yet. I was overlooking at a Mexican sycamore and a Texas sycamore, but. Uh, I haven't found the Arizona sets of yet, but we will. I was, you know, spent most of the week in California over buying, selling, and trading plants. Oh, okay. Well, right on. I figured you'd be out there hustling, so. Oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll in find on that. one somewhere. It's just not as common a plant as it once was. And, you know, and really for the most of uh, the state of Arizona, good reason. Here in the low deserts, it doesn't do so well. But it is going to be interesting to see how well they'll do you know, up at that elevation, because it's, you know, above their range, but uh, it hasn't been real cold in a long time either. Right. Well, we'll find right. out, Digger. Um, well, I'll, I'll let you know on the air as soon as I find some, and uh, we'll, we'll probably okay. find them within the next week or so. I'm bringing a lot of different things in right now. Okay, and, well, real quickly, uh-huh. uh, to wrap this up, it sounds like you're getting ready to go. Um, I would prefer, I'm glad you haven't found one, because I'd actually prefer like a, a low... Uh, multi-trunk? Well, when we find those, they're usually either low-branching or else multi, some of both. But we'll see what we can find. Oh, great, because I don't believe in life support, so it, they're not going to be staked for long. Well, and they really um, probably don't require any staking at all, ever, you know. Well, no tree honestly does, but unfortunately people want to buy, you know, buy trees that are straight. <laughs> who, right, who, who right, knows okay. what's straight in this world especially in places like Winslow hey Digger thanks for the call and enjoy Always your day forward, Brian. And, I'll, and, I'll, <laughs> love you and I'll let you love know you, as, as soon as we uh, come up with some Arizona Sycamores sounds great man Bye-bye. have a blessed one you too uh, John in Sun City good morning John good morning how are you today oh enjoying the morning yeah me too I've got a quick question for you about a lavender plant I have it's two years old uh, it's in the ground. I want to transplant it into a very large pot. 
Is this an okay time of year to do it's that? It's probably and, the best time. You know, I, I, lavenders in the nature and their rooting, I'm not sure how well it's going to do. I would, what I would do first is I would prune it back rather heavily right now, probably reduce its right. size by half, you know, and uh, let it start to pop some new buds again, which should take about a week to 10 days. And, and then okay. dig it out and try and transplant it. And, you know, always use Super Thrive and, and put it back into a well-drained soil. Gotcha. So it might be better to just buy a, a new lavender for the pot. It would, be, it would be a lot easier, and I think your chances are much greater. Okay. All right. Well, that's what I needed to know. I thank you so much for your help and your show. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, next up, we've got Bob in Phoenix after Bob. It's wide open. The perfect time to give... Uh, Miss Shira, call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Bob in Phoenix. Good morning, Brian. Hey, I, um, I bought my wife a dozen roses on Valentine's Day, and they've been in a vase on our kitchen for this long. And I went to toss them out yesterday, Brian, and I sh- it shows new growth on several of the stems. So I dug them back out of the trash and stuck them in some water. And I'm thinking, am I going to be able to get these roses going? Well, Bob, I'll tell you, with roses, they're usually grown from dormant wood. So if you want to try and grow a rose from a cutting, you need to take the cutting in the middle of the wintertime. And if if you do that when the wood's dormant, you can take a little cutting and dip it in rooting you know, powder like root tarn or something and, and have pretty good success. But as far as those ones that were bloomed out that probably came from Columbia, I don't think you have much of a chance. But I'll never say never. Well, one of them, one stem's got a new bud on it, and then all of them, all of them show new growth on the stem. But I don't see any root coming from the bottom of the stem. Yeah, no. If you were going to try and root it, what you would normally do is, is just take a, a, a small wood cutting, you know, about the size of the the harvested rose, but a cutting about two to three inches long. Um, you know, but go for it. You know, whoever was caring yeah. for those was smart enough to cut the bottoms as soon as they were put in the vase and and uh, been well cared for. And that makes a big difference. And it's I'm certainly enjoying them. But if you want to try and make some cuttings, you can do that. Gotcha. Gotcha. And one other thing, too, off, off the road thing, but there, we had a cottonwood tree in the middle of our yard for about 10 years ago. It got too old. We cut it down. Now it's, uh, I want to put like a pistachio, what's it called on? A red push pistachio tree. Can I dig right in the middle of that old hole that and, and plant that in that same location? Well, I'm not sure if you can or not. It depends how big a root and how big a trunk it was from that old tree. But, um, you know, you could certainly move it over just against the, where the stump was. But you might find that you can dig it up. You know, how long has it been oh, going? About 10 years. Well, and there's a, yeah, there's, a, there's a bit of... A bit of a hollow in the middle, so I can tell. It looks to me like the wood has, you know, uh, disintegrated in there and it's, and it's caving down. But I just I understood that there was some nitrogen issues with old stumps. They they kind of kill the things around them as they're dying. Well, you know, I've never noticed that to be true, and I've got some old ash stumps at my house. But I do notice that the ground kind of shrinks around there because the roots are just you know decaying and breaking down, and the soil level tends right. to go down. And what you don't want to do with any new trees, plant it too low. So I would think if you could move it over away from the trunk a few feet, and if it was that large of a cottonwood, you'd probably be a little better off when you're investing the time in planting a new tree. Okay. Well, good morning, Brian, and thanks for everything. Have a nice weekend, Bob. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have three lines available, and the lovely Sherry here on Phones and Music. All you have to do is give her a call, and you could be on after Chris. No, after Mike.
First, we have Chris, Mike, and then it could be you on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. We're here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR. Folks, absolutely gorgeous Sunday morning. We do have a couple lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR for the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. We could talk about your dreams or your nightmares in the garden. Chris in Queen Creek. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Sherd. Um, do you recommend staking younger red push trees? You know, I personally do not like to stake young red push trees, but I personally okay. also don't mind a little curve here and there, or I like multiple trunks. Okay. So, you know, depends on how large they are and how they've been grown historically, you know, when you buy them. So if you're purchasing uh-huh. one that's, uh, say, a 15-gallon without a stake on it, okay, uh, there's no reason mm-hmm. to stake it. You know, if you're purchasing one okay. that does have a stake on it, has a thinner caliber and a larger head, this is the perfect time of year to remove that stake from the trunk and double stake it loosely so that it can move around, get its exercise, and build some fitness. And uh, that's fitness okay. to withstand our windstorm. So because it doesn't have any foliage yet, it's, you know, it really doesn't have as much to support. And if you'll loosen it up and let it move now, uh, it will build caliber and be a much stronger tree. And then by the end of this growing season, you know, this time next year, you can move all the stakes. 
So if it's two two stakes, do you put do you, do you put them on north and south or east and west? It, it really it really doesn't make any difference. But what you want to use the stakes for is just to catch them. So you don't want to really use the stake to support it. You know, it's just a matter of just okay. keep it moving back and forth. But you don't want to have the, those. You know, you, you want to use a hose or something around so you don't cut into the bark. But yeah, you know, you want to keep them real loose. And then if you want to put them okay. on at all, okay. Right, how about uh, fertilizing ficus? When and what what should you use? You know, now is a perfect time, and uh, ficus just a, a balanced fertilizer like a citrus food, or even like some twenty one seven fourteen lawn food. If you're going to use the uh-huh. lawn fertilizer, a lot of it's made with ammonium nitrate, so just don't put too much on at a time, and it'll work very well. I have this uh, citrus fertilizer from you guys. I can't remember what it's yeah, called. Yeah, it's the Organa Pro. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Perfect Should time I just to do dose it, it like I would uh, citrus tree then. Pretty much, and if you really want them to grow fast, you can feed them once a month from now, you know, through end of May, and they'll grow faster. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we got Mike and Scott still. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Two quick questions. Uh, oh, and a comment on the red push. Uh, I did the same thing, and it grew. Uh, I took a. I took the stakes off and let them blow in the wind, and now he's strong as an ox and <laughs> growing like a weed. So, um, I, my question is: I know you've discussed uh, Roundup. Uh, the rain has beaten my pre-emergent. So, what kind of like? I think there's a something I'm not supposed to get. Versus well, what, uh, what, what you should. what you do want to get for an active ingredient is glyphosate. Okay, so you can read the label. Okay. Now, the problem is even Monsanto with the Roundup brand now, they make one that they, that's basically going to have other chemicals in it that are going to damage your soil and hurt your plants you know, over a long-term period of time. The thing with glyphosate, it's pretty much an instant thing. It's going to kill what you spray it on, yeah. but it's not going to have that half-life in the soil, especially if you use it correctly. Right. So you want to just make sure that the active ingredient is glyphosate. And then there's a lot of other brands you can buy that are going to have glyphosate. But you, if you look down there and you see this other list of chemicals with it, just stay, stay away from it. Okay. Perfect. Glyphosate's what I need, then. The perfect. And second, uh, I transplanted a couple American mesquites, and they don't look so good, if, if at all. But is there is there a time when they should – should they be greening up a little bit right now? Uh, it hasn't been warm enough yet. You know, if you look at the we'll decisions, yeah, if you give them another two weeks and if it's, you know, we're gonna, we got some great forecasts. We don't, we don't have any real hot weather forecasts yet, but, you know, mesquites in general, the happier, the hotter, you know. So when it's really hot, they're going to be their best. They'll, they'll grow better at 110 than at 100. And so they really like some more heat. So while the deciduous trees are still dormant, you know, like the pistachios, the mesquites haven't had a mm-hmm. chance to break any buds yet. But that's going to change pretty quickly. Okay, and if uh, if they don't come back, I'm sure you gotta they they will come back. Load full of them. Yeah, well they they will come back. Trust me, they're they're pretty hard to kill. They don't know how to die with dignity. They don't give up. <laughs> okay, well thank you very much, Brian. Have a great day. Thank you, Mike. Have, you too. Bye bye. That leaves us with wide open phones, and uh, we got Shira here, and Troy's here, and we're, you know Troy doesn't have a news break for five minutes, so we got plenty of time. We could talk about anything you want to grow, water, plant, fertilize, or kill. You know, it's a great time if you're thinking about citrus to go out and taste the citrus on your neighbor's trees, or come into the nursery and try them, or you can go to some of our partners we work with, uh, Sprouts and Whole Foods, and uh, the guys at Bashes and and Albertson Safeway. You can go in, and of course, lemons are kind of lemons. We have Meyer lemons and Lisbon lemons. 
there. But there's a lot of Tangelos around now that are pretty good still about the end of the navel orange season. Or you can come in and try one off the trees at the nursery. But uh, if you like citrus, this is a good time to find out what you enjoy the best and plant the ones that you you prefer. But uh, plenty of those to grow here. Um, it's a time if you're going to prune and you haven't pruned yet and you've got anything that's deciduous, if you can catch it before it leaves out, or if your roses, you just couldn't stand to cut them back because we had a mild winter and lots of blooms. If you're going to reduce their size and have really nice hybrid teas for the spring, cut them right now. I know they're growing already, but you're better off to cut them now and reduce their size into weight. Uh, we'll pretend like they had a hard freeze back in Wisconsin or something. Um, but at any rate, if you have any of those deciduous plants and you were thinking, about pruning them, they start to bud. Uh, if you're going to prune them at all this year, the sooner the better for the tree. So just kind of keep that in mind. And uh, perfect time to feed still, you know. So whether we're feeding hardy evergreens or deciduous trees or roses, it's the perfect time to fertilize everything. So uh, a lot of different things to do out in the garden, and it's a very great weather to go out and do it as well. Still have a couple lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827. Alan in Phoenix, good morning. Good morning. I just bought a new uh, Mexican thornless uh, lime tree. I don't know if you mm. one. Okay. I'd take that it back. Will that take it back? Yeah. The uh, Mexican, the thornless limes aren't going to have any fruit. So if you're going to get a Mexican lime on a plant one, they do wonderful here. It's the best variety for our, our climate. But the thornless ones, if you're planting it for fruit, uh, I wouldn't plant a thornless one. The thornless ones are a pretty tree and really nice foliage, and they're a pretty tree, but they have a very sparse amount of fruit. Wanted it to grow on a container on the patio. Okay. Well, if you, if you, well, no, it'll make a great patio container plant and it'll flower some and it'll have dense, pretty foliage. But if you're growing it to get very many limes, it's a poor choice. Now, if you're growing it just for a pretty little tree in the patio, it'll do great. Wanted lime, so you have them at your place. Mexican limes, we do, yeah. But you, like, say you really want a a real Mexican lime with thorns. Now, the difference is, Alan, the the thorny Mexican lime is going to have all the fruit on it, it's not going to be as pretty as the thornless one, but it's going to have a lot more fruit. So, you have to decide whether you want the beauty or the fruit. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Alan. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Mr. Frank over in Mesa. And after Frank, open line 602-277-5827. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Enjoying the day. It's quite beautiful here. Good. My wife and I listen to you, but mostly she's a big fan of yours. Hey, I've got a Tiffway 419 backyard. It's a patch of grass, 20 by 60. And for two or three years, I've been fighting pearl scale. Okay. You know, three, three, big, three big patches of it. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend I do? Well, you have to kill pearl scale by changing the pH. There's a lot of really strong chemicals like ethanol and different things, but they really never seem to work. But if you can make the, the ground so you get the pH down to neutral around 7, the pearl scale will die out. Pearl scale is the most active in the spring. Usually when the wheel like around April or so, and that's when it's really going to be out and, and causing more and more problems. So what I would do is go ahead and put some soil sulfur on the lawn now. And soil sulfur is going to keep the pH down a little bit. And the fact that we have good quality city water this time of year, because most of it's coming from the reservoirs, 
Uh, our pH and our water delivery is much better than it is in the summertime when we have to use well water. So if you put a pretty heavy dose of sulfur, soil sulfur on it, and uh, then if you'll come back like in April, okay, and you really got to drop the pH then because that's when we go from using river water to using more well water and the water demand goes up in the valley and the pH goes from, you know, sometimes as low as seven, like right now, up into the eights. And that's when the pearl scale gets really happy. What you need to do is drop the, the soil um, pH in quite a bit. And uh, the easiest thing I found to do that with is muriatic acid or pool acid. And you can apply that at about a quart per hundred square feet with a hose in sprayer. So if you get one of those little sprayers, it puts out six gallons of water. So you put a quart of acid in there and spray it on about a hundred square feet. And then if you want to go ahead and get a pool test kit or litmus paper and test your soil, if you can get that pH anything down below seven, the pearl scale is going to have a bad time. And you really want to keep the pearl scale, the soil you know, pH down below seven. From about the middle of April until the middle of June, and you'll probably eliminate most all the pearl scale if you do that. Perfect. Um, next question, uh, what's the best watering schedule I've got uh, a watering system in? Well, how, how old are your plants, Frank? How, how long is most your... This is for the grass. The grass is about 10 years old. Well, the lawn's real easy. The lawn, all we have to do is put a capturing device out. Okay, so tuna can's a perfect measuring tool. Uh, if you don't have one of the coffee cup will work fine. Run your sprinklers till you have even coverage of about an inch of water. Okay. And then shut your irrigation down and go out with a large screwdriver. Or you can do it if you want to get a moisture beater, you can. And uh, you want to let the soil get dry before you water again. So if you look at a flood irrigation cycle for this time of year, you know, it's about once a month. And then over the next month, it'll go to once every two weeks. So you shouldn't really have to water your lawn much more than that. A little more because you're not going to get as deep irrigation as you would with flood. But, uh, you know, an inch of water typically will get you about a foot of penetration. If you're in heavy soil and may said it might get you eight or ten inches of penetration in the water. But that's going to push the salts down, have your soil be happier. And if you put the, do that your big irrigation right after you put the soil sulfur, that'll drop the pH down in all that soil. And a lot of the problem we have with things like pearl scale is when we're watering way too often, we're losing more water to evaporation. And we're not watering deeply enough. The soil gets real salty, and that makes the pearl scale real happy because it likes that higher pH. Well, oh, that makes sense. All right, and the same watering schedule in the summer? Pretty much. I mean, you can always regulate it with the measuring device, the fancy tool called a screwdriver. Okay? Hey, appreciate the call, Frank. Bye-bye. Well, we have Mr. Troy Barrett in the studio. We're going to find out what's happening in the world. In the meantime, oh, we have Shira back here yawning. We caught her. (laughs) She's waking up, though, so give her a call, 602-277-5827. We're here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM, KTAR.
outside yet. <laughs> Maybe you've got, you know, this on a podcast kind of thing or, you know, listen to us on the Internet because it is a beautiful day to get outside and see these clouds and the temperature couldn't be any better. And it couldn't be an easier time to call the program. You know, we get to the end of the program and sometimes it's pretty hard to get on. Right now, we actually have wide open phones. The number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. We can talk about uh, your landscape, what to grow, how to plant, grow it, where to plant it. Uh, if you're doing something different at home, lots of stuff. You know, it's a perfect time of year to plant a vegetable garden. If you want to plant some watermelons or cantaloupes, uh, you can plant those from seeds still. And, uh, you know, this is warm enough weather for them to germinate and come right up and you're not too late. Great time to plant tomatoes and peppers and all those fun things as well. Probably want to start those from plants or sets now so we get a little jump on life. But uh, a lot of fun things to grow out there, a lot of fun, fun things to do. And exploring the state of Arizona, we uh, are here at a wonderful state that goes uh with all of our sky mountains down to the south, if you've never been up in uh, Mount Graham or any of the taller mountains in the southeast part of the state, um, they're kind of a special tra- treasure, too, down to the Chiricahuas and different things. And, you know, there's Sedona is not the only pretty place in Arizona. You know, it's probably the most popular around the world, maybe second to the Grand Canyon. But, you know, we have a lot of beautiful things to get out and see here. And it's going to be a great spring to, to go out and explore because we've had enough rain to uh, lighten up the desert growth. Anyway, whatever your dreams are, give us a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. You know, if last summer was a little hot and you're looking for something a little cooler, it's an amazing difference you can do uh, with shade trees. You know, and some trees are a lot better than others. They're all created equal. But we have trees here in the desert, like like the American Mesquite's a good example, that, uh you know, you can really water it very little or not at all in the wintertime, especially when it's established. But when it's hot, when it's 110 degrees in your yard, and you might want to actually happen to go outdoors and get away from the air conditioner and catch a little bit of fresh desert air. Um, you know, if you turn that mesquite tree on by watering it in the heat, it can be 15 to 20 degrees cooler underneath the canopy than the ambient temperature out away from you. So huge cooling effect that we have for trees. And, you know, the ones that are really drought tolerant and hardy uh, can be very efficient. But that's the time of year we want to use our water. You know, if we put our water on the trees, they transpire moisture, they cool our areas, they cool our whole environment here in the city. You know, and having a tree canopy throughout the city is very important. And you notice through the desert and things that, um, you know, we have two seasons here in the summer. We have the dry summer, which is hot and everything dries out. And it basically it's used up all the moisture that it recovers from the spring rains or winter rains. And then if we get our wet winter season, that's when the desert comes to life. And that's when it's a lot more enjoyable to be outside. So using our water, especially in that dry season, but then it's, as the monsoon comes, if we don't get much uh, in that season as well, really helps to cool the city down. Uh, three, three open lines still. Number to call, 602-277-5827. Renee in Ahwatukee. Hi there. Ho there. Hey there. How are you, Renee? I'm great. I had my yard redone last winter, and I asked them to plant a mandarin and a grapefruit tree and the mandarin did not survive the summer they're kind of in the middle of the yard where they don't get any shade so i put an umbrella over the grapefruit tree and it survived but so i replanted the mandarin but i'm wondering if i might be overwatering them and how do i know that well renee where do you live in awatuki what cross streets 40th street in chandler 
Okay, so you have pretty heavy soil there. So, um, you know, realistically, you want to water those trees, even though they're young trees, probably no more often than once a week for the spring. And when you water when you water them, you want to uh, fill the well. What size trees did you put in? Uh, they're like three or four feet tall. Okay, like a 15-gallon <laughs> size maybe? Yeah, okay. probably. So, yeah, make sure the trunk is wrapped from the ground to where the branches start to keep the sun off so they don't sunburn. Okay. And weekly watering is kind of the maximum. And if you notice your ground's still wet after they've been watered for a week, you could probably this time of year still water once every two weeks. And to give you an idea, we haven't watered our groves since December. But those are bigger, mature trees with a bigger root system. But even on these young trees, you don't want to keep them wet or they will drown. And so, you know, watering every two weeks in the wintertime is more than adequate. And that's probably still fine until the weather is going to be up in the 85, 90 degree range. And that's when they're going to grow the most. And that's when they'll start to use more water. The other thing is with young citrus, if you'll fertilize them lightly once a month, they'll grow faster. And you could use a balanced citrus fertilizer. You could use like a 20-20-20, or you could use miracle Grow. That would all work fine. Okay, because I had read that uh, new planted trees shouldn't be fertilized. Well, you know, anybody's allowed to write. There's there's no limit on speech and writing. This is a free country, and everybody can express their opinion. There's a lot of opinions. Mine just happens to come from my personal experience, but I have been doing it for about 50 years. I grew up with a grandfather yeah. who did it for about 50 years before me. So, you know, realistically, you know, all, all plants like to eat. You know, and whether they're young or old, but it's probably more important to feed young trees than old trees. You know, older trees um, really don't require the fertilizer. They're always established in their environment. But young trees, you know, they're coming from a nursery where they've been fed on a regular basis, oftentimes with an injector that puts fertilizer in the water every single time it gets water. So those trees have to get their roots out and established, and they're going to require more fertilizer. One always has to be mindful and careful of the fact that especially too much nitrogen, that's the first number in the bag, can kill anything thing it's toxic you know it's like alcohol I mean if you drink too much alcohol you die if you give them too much fertilizer they die too so sparingly small doses on a regular frequency would be the best for planting young trees and how can you tell when the leaves are yellow if it's from underwatering or overwatering well underwatering is not going to make the leaves yellow if it's underwatering the leaves are going to get droopy I mean and, and kind of wilt you know, and then they'll perk back up when you water them. Overwatering can make them yellow and then they'll eventually fall off. But if you, a uh, couple okay. things to check, dig, dig down and make sure your tree wasn't planted too deep. So you should be able to dig alongside the trunk and find the roots where the, we call the root flare where it comes out of the side of the tree within an inch or so of the surface. Okay, so it shouldn't be buried six or eight inches deep. And then when you water them, you want to get them real wet, so a good deep irrigation. And then just go out and check the soil. You do a little shovel or a screwdriver. And if it's still wet, don't water again. You know, and the thing is, I can't give you a frequency because there's all different kinds of soil around town. And there's soil that if you're up in the hills in Ahwatukee and it drains really fast in the granite, you'd be watering a lot more than if you had the heavier clay soil down off the hill. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Thank you, Renee. Bye-bye. Uh, Jeff and Chandler, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Uh, thanks Thanks for your show. We really enjoy it. Hey, quick question for you. I have a couple shamal ash trees and a couple citrus trees that I bought from you many, many years ago. And uh, they're and the shamals are in a uh, ryegrass yard. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be draining a pool because the water is hard. And I was going to try and retain a lot of that into the yard mm-hmm. and to kind of deep water those trees. Is that something that's okay to do? 
It'll be fine. It might be a little salty. I'll tell you what you might do is you might just uh, hyper chlor or hyper uh, acidify the water before you put it in. So just dump a little extra acid and pool acid in it. Take the pH down to the water down uh, below seven for sure, and then drain it. Okay. So yeah, that's really Perfect. easily done with a pool because you can just add more muriatic acid. Yeah, that's what I heard your comment earlier about the acid. So I thought I'd just double check it before I, and then we also spray to the hard water. But if, uh, well, you I have a lot of salts it. and a lot of calcium, a lot of things build up in the pool because you're, you know, you're basically evaporating all that water and you're building all right. the minerals and things over a period of time. Most of that's going to be fine. Just make sure that it can penetrate the soil when you put it on. That's why you want to just take and lower the pH. Perfect. Thank you so much for the help. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh, Shad and Tempe. Good morning, Shad. Hi, Brian. How are you this morning? Oh, enjoying the morning. We are, too. I'm getting ready to head up hiking South Mountain, but I have a question for you. I've got two citrus trees. One's an Arizona sweet, and one's a navel orange. I was out there yesterday, and what I'm noticing is that my navels are almost falling off the tree at this point, where the Arizona sweets tend to be a little little bit more clingy. Um, do I pick the oranges on the navel first for juicing or, and leave the... Uh, Arizona sweets a little bit longer. Well, What's your sweets and navels are pretty much, there's a lot of different varieties of sweets. Okay, so sweets can vary a lot depending on what variety they are. We used to grow 18 different varieties of Arizona sweets, and now we don't grow really any. But, um, and if it's a Valencia, it's going to stay a lot longer. So if it's still really tight to the tree, and if it's just now getting sweet, if it wasn't sweet back in January, it could be that you actually have a Valencia, not an Arizona sweet. And a Valencia you can leave on the tree to the middle of summer. So it'll it'll last on the tree for a long time. Where the navels, this is about when they're going to really start to fall off. So I would suggest, you know, the navels for sure are, are, are you know, ripe right now and as ripe and as good as they're going to get. So they make excellent juice. Um, with navel orange juice, it's only good after you juice them for three or four days. Um, so it doesn't last as long unless you're going to freeze it. That's what we do. We actually bag okay. them up and then we put them in our freezer and the tent to last us about, Nine months. Oh yeah, no. If you, if you freeze it, it's all great. <laughs> uh, we yeah we uh, we run out of orange juice at about nine or ten months after we juice because <laughs> well what, what you but, might want to do if indeed you do have an Arizona sweet and a and a navel is plant a Valencia then because the na- the Valencia is you can keep juicing all the way in the middle of summer then you'll never be juiceless. <laughs> That's brilliant. All right. Hey, Brian, thank you so much. I always enjoy your advice. Thanks, Chad. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have two lines available in the lovely Shira here on Phones and Music. All you have to do is give her a call at 602-277. You could be up after, uh, looks like, Randy in the Whistle Nursery Garden Show. Our guardian star lost all its glow Today that I lost you He lost all his glitter the day you said no And his silver turned to blue Like him, I am doubtful that your love is true If you decide to call on me You can ask for Mr. Blue Well, I'm Mr. Blue say you love me Then you prove it by running out on the slide Proving your love isn't true Call me Mr. Blue Well, I'm Mr. Blue 
Folks, beautiful uh, Sunday morning. Well, David Bromberg there for you. And I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s. Continuing today for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us. From 15 gallons to big 72-inch boxes, we grow a wide group of trees. And a lot of fun, different kinds of things to grow here. But, um, you know, if you want to see something a little different, check out a pink tababuya. This tree has pink flowers, looks like an ash, and loves our climate. But anything from that to a citrus to desert trees to maybe you want a cool McDougal Iocatillo that'll actually bloom eight months a year. Whatever your dreams are, come out and see us at Whitfields. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, modded, insured. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue or the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 26470 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Woodfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Uh, back to our phones, we've got uh, Grace and Chandler. Good morning, Grace. Hi, good morning. I have a question about a couple plants that are indoors. Mm-hmm. So one of them is I got a yellow mum from Costco when they were doing the Chinese New Year plant. Okay. And the, most of the flowers are ready to be clipped off. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering... What do I do with the plant now? Well, most people throw them away. But if you would Aww. like to, you don't have to. I was going to give you, the, there's a, wait, there's more. There's another alternative, Grace. Mums are a pretty okay. cool plant, you know, and what they're done is they're grown, you know, basically for certain holidays and it takes eight, you know, eight to 12, 16 weeks or however long we're growing them for in a nursery, you know, to have them ready for those holidays. And we have that bloom cycle to hit the holidays. If you'll just cut the plant back, you can plant it out in the garden. It'll do well on an Eastern exposure or South right up against the house. It will make a perennial okay. plant and it'll come black depending on the variety it is, and bloom again in probably two, three months. Do I put it in normal potting soil or just go ahead and put it in the ground? You can put I, it I in the ground. Or, you uh, can put it in the ground or you can grow it in potting soil. I can remember once in Christtown, okay. like 30 years ago, they had this mum convention and mum growers from all the world brought their mums. And I was just amazed, you know, being in the landscape and gardening business my whole life, I was amazed at the variety of mums and all the different things and how they were huh. pruned and bonsais and all kinds of fun things. So while we consider them kind of a disposable plant, there are a lot of fun uses for them. Okay. And then the other one is, for fun, I ripped the top off of a pineapple uh, sometime last summer, mm-hmm. uh, grew some roots, put it in dirt, and now it's too big for the pot and my windowsill. Okay. Uh, transplant it. I don't want to throw it away. No, transplant yeah, it to a larger it? container. You can put it outdoors. Okay. It'll grow well here on an eastern exposure where it gets morning sun and afternoon shade. Or you can keep okay. it in a large container in the patio. And when you say on the patio, is that like where it has shade all the time? Well, the ideal patio, the easiest one for that plant would be the south-facing patio because it gets the advantage of full sun in the winter, and then it's shaded in the summer. Okay. 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 All right. That's Thanks, perfect. Grace. That's exactly where I want to put it. So thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, Randy and Tempe, good morning, Randy. Good morning. Um, I know I probably missed a pre-emergent window, but I have about a half-acre pasture in the back. When is about the latest you can put pre-emergent on and there's any value to putting it on now. 
Well, there, there, there is for some, you know, because about half of the spring stuff is germinated. It's not all germinated. Like the puncture vine, I haven't seen that coming up yet. You'd have to kind of really go out and investigate. But, you know, what, what's done commercially oftentimes is use a combination of a glyphosate and a pre-emergent. So if you catch the weeds while they're small, you can spray the two mixed together. And the glyphosate will kill the new the existing weeds and the pre-emergent will stop, the, you know, continued seed germination. Well, I've got Bermuda in the back, so I don't want to use glyphosate. But no, you don't want to use glyphosate in Bermuda. But what you could do is do the same thing with two four D, like we'd be okay. going. Okay. So it wouldn't hurt. All right, thanks. You're welcome. Bye bye. Uh, Manuel in Phoenix. Good morning, Manuel. Uh, good morning. Hey, yes, have a question on some water transplant. What do, how do how do I go about doing it? My neighbor wants to get rid of her so water three. I told her I would take it. Okay. But uh, how large is it, man? How, how do I go about? It's about uh, I don't know, twelve, fifteen feet tall. Okay, I would hire a professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're pretty uh, heavy, but you know what? They're really quite easy to transplant, and yeah, you'll note that the professional will go through and mark the north side so that he doesn't turn the plant when it's moved. And usually, they'll come in oh. with a with a truck, and they'll have a, a you know basically a cradle that we call it that goes down. They they dig around the plant, they strap it to the cradle, they lay it down, then they back it to where the new hole is and, and put it in the ground. But you know that size, it would require you equipment anyway. So unless you happen to have your own tractors and equipment, um, it would be less no. expensive for you just to hire someone. And it won't be that expensive, Manuel, and it's, it is certainly worth doing. Good, good, good. Uh, so would the person who transplanted know, because I thought I heard somebody say that you need to leave the roots to dry for a while? Or no, no, just... you, no, you can transplant it right away. But yes, they will know. And if you hire a professional, what they'll do is they'll put some dusting or powdered sulfur, you know, down in the hole and around the roots, and they'll prune the roots back when the, when they pull it out, you know, where they damage and break them. And then you basically, they'll transplant it into the new hole, and then you don't water it. And then you just leave it dry, and um, you can start to water it lightly after about a month or so. And that way you're not getting any bacteria in there. But but the powdered sulfur helps a lot, Manuel. But, you know, the guys that transplant them, for the most part, are really good experienced. And, you know, they don't like to lose them because they cost them money. So they'll they'll be good to you. Yeah. Because my, my neighbor says she will give it to me. Mm-hmm. I know these are expensive. Well, right. and what's nice for the person transplanting uh, is they're not moving it very far. So if it's just your neighbor, you won't find it's that oh, expensive. No, it's like- uh-oh. No, it'll, it'll be right next door. Yeah, that, that, that's that, that's an easy job for them. Okay, and do you have any idea how much that thing costs? And do you guys do that yourself? No, we don't do it ourselves. We have people we can recommend to okay. you that we work with. I'm not going to recommend one to you on the air because I know a lot of them. They're all friends. So, uh, but if you if you call the nursery, uh, they'll be happy to give you a recommendation. And uh, like I say, there's a lot of professional people who do a great job. Manuel, I got to let you go and say goodbye because we have to take a short break and find out what's happened in the world with Mr. Troy Barrett. We'll be right back after the news. We do have two lines available during the break: six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven. For the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR.